Kei aku nui, kei aku rahi rarau mai ki te hui. Ko mihi ngārangi tēnei, e mihi atu nei ki au koutou katoa. Welcome to the hui, Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E taruake nei. An iconic tāmiki makaurau marae at the centre of a tug of war. The ratepayers and residents of the North Shore gave a lot to build that marae. We look at the ongoing battle between marae management and members of the community over Awataha Marae. Then North Code MP Shannon Halbert joins me in studio to discuss its future. And we meet the Māori who's joined the war in Ukraine. Every time a, a child dies, every time is like the first time. For decades, a group of North Shore locals have been calling for an intervention in the standoff between them and Awataha Marae management with no luck. A year ago, the Crown's Land Commissioner renewed the 33-year lease, essentially giving the Awataha Trust another three decades of management. Those on the outside say it's unfair and the Crown has ignored their pleas. They feel excluded from something they've worked hard to establish as a marae for everyone on the North Shore. We can't tell the story of those on the inside because they won't talk to us. We decided to revisit the story of Awataha Marae. Standing at attention flanking Auckland's northern motorway, Awataha's totem pole was meant to be a beacon for all cultures of the North Shore. But decades on, for some Foundation members, it symbolises loss and heartbreak. I don't go down. I don't know any Māori who was involved as I was at that time that goes near it. None of us do. It's such bad vibes, such bad karma. 30 years ago, Mary Roberts was full of hope and determination, which drove her and others to fundraise nearly $2 million to build a marae. I went on to their first uh, committee as a, as a member, and that's where I got involved in the serious fundraising. They employed an architect, Pepper Dixon Architects, and I took about a year off to take this prototype of the Marae complex around the churches. The people of the North Shore raised about $1,700,000 for that Marae. Now, funding came from other sources, but it's important to note the ratepayers and residents of the North Shore gave a lot to build that marae. But three decades on, members of that North Shore community are at loggerheads with marae management. In 2017, the Hui reported on the division. It's supposed to be a home away from home for the Māori of Auckland's North Shore. It's just like they've just had the door shut in their face and that is absolutely what everyone is over. I used to come down and just stroll in, say hi to the whānau, those sort of things. I don't feel like I can anymore. Uh, I don't feel like I'm welcome to do that. Mary says today's situation is a far cry from how this pan-tribal, multicultural marae started its life. During the 90s, it was really humming. We had a lot of subcommittees. We met regularly every month. Hui were held there for whatever purpose. It was open. It was functioning, it was accountable, it was transparent, and it was managed by the community. 
managed by the community and endorsed in the early days by high-ranking politicians. But over time, Mary Roberts and others became increasingly concerned with the running of their beloved marae. Increasingly, there was a move to change the constitution a little from incorporated society, but what I think it began to fall apart in 2010. There was a move increasingly for the family to get involved. The family Mary is referring to are the whānau of Marae founders, the late Arnold Wilson and his wife Rangitinia. Today, Awataha is run by their son, Anthony Wilson, who is CEO. Its chair is his wife, Maria Amoamo. Public records show a series of trusts, incorporations and businesses registered to Awataha Marae. Some are no longer active, others are not up to date with their filings. The Wilson Fano are at the helm of all of them. But there is just one company that appears to be running the Marae's business, and that company is Awataha Marae Development. It's 65% owned by Anthony Wilson. The Marae's Incorporated Society owns just 35%. Another business operating from the Marae is Archangel Music, owned by the award-winning musician Kingdon Chappie Wilson, who is Anthony's son. This is my studio at my marae. According to online records, Awataha Marae Incorporated hasn't filed a financial statement since 2016. So then the big issue was how... Mary Roberts isn't surprised. She says she raised issues around paperwork and marae membership many years ago. I asked, what is the current membership of this marae? And there was no documentation, no record of any current membership. I said, why haven't we filed an annual financial statement? Because I actually contacted the registrar to find out, no, they hadn't, they hadn't for several years. And the third thing was, um, why aren't we holding regular meetings? A Maori proverb saying, people without a marae are nothing. A marae without people is wasted. Now, how true those words have become today? I won't go down. One day I will when it's returned to the people and I look forward to that day because I've seen too many of these dear friends here that worked so hard for that marae being unable to even lie there for a tangi. The issue of tangihana is symbolic to the breakdown between the marae committee and members of this community, and that's because at the heart of this issue is the use of this nui for tangihana. The marae committee says that they can't have tangihana because there are no carvings on the nui. But members of the community say that's because there's a push, there's an emphasis for this marae to be used as a commercial venture rather than a community hub. The marae is hired as a conference facility and for overnight stays. Critics of marae management say hosting tangihana may at times require the cancellation of these types of bookings, something they believe management would be unwilling to do. And while Awataha has received tens of thousands of dollars in funding for carvings for the whare it remains undressed. They were never completed which again began an investigation by North Shore City Council. But the tikanga seemed to be until that whare was completed, you couldn't hold tangi. Some say that was a kaupapa of Arnold, a tūhoi, 
kaupapa, because Arnold was tūhoi. Others didn't hold to that, but that was the situation. There are various iwi who claim mana whenua status on Auckland's North Shore. Tūhoi is not one of them. Ngāti Pāwa, Ngāti Whātua and Te Kawarau Āmaki have po on the boundary of the property, signifying their connection to the land. But none of these iwi are able to utilise the marae as it's held by the Crown for the community. And for locals, it's meant holding tangi in garages and tents. Former Tefano or Awataha Trust Board member Andy Peters. I also wondered myself about the use of the marae as far as tangi goes, because we were getting a lot of inquiries. Can we take our two papaku there? And I found out that they only had one tangi there, and I was wondering, well, what is the purpose of that marae? Do you think that people from the community should be able to use it for a tangi? <sighs> the way I was brought up, the marae was there for the community. Everyone's use. As time went on, I started to realise, yeah, well, it's not exactly that, yeah. Andy Peters resigned from Te Whānau or Awataha Trust in 2018 due to poor health. Did you ask why the marae wasn't able to be used by Whānau? Well, we, we'd already made some inquiries about it, you know, well, why? And found out that why they hadn't used the whareanui for tangi was that the carvings were not complete. And that sort of made me wonder, well, What's the holdup? I, I believe there was money made available. There had been approaches made to um, Pare Marimo or the inmates to do the uh, carvings and things like that. And uh, it just makes you wonder why, why, you know, the officer were there. For the past six weeks, the hui has been liaising with Awataha Marae's chairperson, Maria Amoamo, in the hope of discussing these issues. Two weeks ago, Ms Amoamo agreed to allow an interview with a selection of marae trustees. We were hoping to record those interviews today, but this is as close as we can get to Awataha Marae, because at one o'clock this morning, we received an email from Ms Amoamo citing a lack of trust in our reporting and warning us not to enter the marae. She also added, don't put your drone up in our airspace, don't ignore the private property notices at the front, and don't break the law. Despite ongoing issues at the marae, including rate arrears and strong opposition from mana whenua and members of the North Shore community, in 2020, Crown Land Toitu Te Whenua Land Information New Zealand agreed to renew Awataha's lease for a further 33 years. That decision is now being reviewed. Awataha currently is a failed entity. We won't go there until it's returned back to the people to run it. Kia mōhi o koutou, he uria hau no Ngāti Pāwa. The decision to review the lease for Awataha Marae by Land Information New Zealand is due in September. Allegations have been made in the report directed at Marae Management. They include alleged illegal subleases to outside groups, 
unlawful construction, membership breaches and rate arrears which are disputed by the marae. While the Commissioner addresses some of them in his report, he says it's not within his powers to address the others. Awataha Marae Management told the Hui our interpretation of the Commissioner's report was not entirely accurate and Ms Amuamu would provide further details which have not been forthcoming. We hope to speak to Marae Management in the future. The invitation to speak is open. After the break, Northcote MP Shannon Halbert joins me to discuss a way forward. To discuss the future of Awataha Marae, I'm joined by its local MP, Shannon Halbert. Tēnā koe. Kia ora. Kia ora. So you've had discussions with Marae management and I wonder if you could share some of their perspectives. I guess what's important here, Mihi, is my role as the local MP is to work with all Māori and all of our community. Uh, with that, I've met frequently with Awataha Marae very clear on what needs to be done to make the marae accessible. Uh, the ablutions need to be upgraded, the whakaid will need to go up, um, the, uh, the dining room needs a, an upgrade. Um, so what we've seen is a overall development plan for the 3.8 hectares of land. Um, the vision is, is big, um, but the starting point is at the, at the marae and ensuring that the whareenui is up and running to meet the needs of all mm -hmm. of our community. And that's what I'm committed to as a lo local MP. Yeah, I guess when you look at that story and, and you'll be well aware of the, you know, the concerns of some people and how do you kind of wade through that as the person, you, you must feel like you're in the middle a wee bit. It, sometimes I do. Uh, what's important here is that, and when we think of the tug of war, is mm. a tug of war actually serves nobody and certainly doesn't serve our community. What I've been focused on and what we've seen in the last few months is an acceleration of steps to get things moving. The Land Commissioner uh, has met with all parties. We'll see a review uh, that has been conducted. The outcome will be in September. I've taken in the Minister for Māori Development to hear directly firsthand from Awataha Marae about their vision. He's offered support there um, and we've also asked for a couple of things. What is the community engagement plan and what is the plan for the development of that whareenui? Mm. My view, Mahi, is that within 12 months, if we can all work together as a community, we can have that whareenui up and running within 12 months. And so has the Minister for Māori Development also met with the community? Uh, so we went across the way to, um, to Te Punahawura, um, which is on that site as well. Um, but we're in a process of meeting uh, with all Māori stakeholders on the shore. We've got to ensure that we set up a marae, mm. again 3.8 hectares of land, that is able to serve all of our North Shore community. And at the moment there's some things being done. We know that there's work to do um, and my job is to support that to happen. So, so some of the greatest issues because that's all fantastic to have a plan and you know 12 months I think people will be really happy to hear that the whakaid are going to go up and um, as Commissioner says that the, the deed actually says that it has to provide traditional Māori marae activities and tangihana at the centre of that and mourners staying over and those kinds of things but you've got this issue where the community feels um, shut out because they've applied to get on their society or on the incorporations and haven't been allowed. How are you going to fix that? Or, and is it your job? Sure. It, it, it's my job to facilitate a way forward. And so there are decades of challenges. You know, there's raru there that have been around well before my time. But I guess what I can do is, um, and what I've done is engage Te Puni Kōkiri to assist in Oranga Marae, which establishes a plan to engage with our community, ensure that they're able to feel part of it, 
that uh, we established a strong governance for that marae moving forward and that we're able to see the full potential of Awataha marae for all of us. Mm. And I think we can be bold in the vision for that. A strong um, governance is a democratic one though, so that will be at the basis of your facilitation? I, I, I agree. Uh, I'm not the facilitator here, but sure, but absolutely those those steps need to be taken. We've got to establish a marae that is for everyone. Um, that at the moment, yes, um, people are using that particular facility, but we have a greater vision for that too. And when you look at the um, Land Commissioner's report, uh, he says that he can hear the frustration of some groups of people. And he said, and even if I agreed that Tangi should be held there, this is not my place to, to you know, to make um, a, a decision on. And I think, well, he actually has all the powers to do so, but he's unable to because it's tikanga Māori. Perhaps this job should be shifted to TPK? Should it be like a co-decision that's made? Somebody mm. who can understand tikanga and, de and decide? Yeah. What I've asked for, Mihi, is all hands on deck. We need everyone to be a part of uh, a way forward for Awataha. What the review will, will do is to determine the way forward, and the lease is a part of that. We've got to ensure that from, the, from September, uh, when we receive that review and that outcome, that um, that facility, facility is set up um, to be successful to bring everyone together, uh, particularly to bring resources to the table to upgrade the marae to a standard uh, that meets code, that meets the number of people wanting to use it, but also is able to set, set us up for um, the future where we are able to expand on whānau order, on mātauranga education, mm. on uh, the housing aspirations that we have for that, that whenua. Betty Robertson, that story, um, talked about funding that had been provided for the for Kairo, uh, from the North Shore City Council and other groups. What is the status of those carvings? Uh, so the carvings are still there, I understand, um, but what's important is, is that we're able to get those completed, get those whakaero up and get that whanau operational for things like tangihana, for our whanau to huyin, uh, for um, groups to, to come together. That is the role of Awataha moving forward. Uh, but we need to be bolder in that vision. We've got to come together. Again, a tug of war is not achieving the desired outcome that we all want to achieve. And as the local MP, I'm really committed to ensure that we have a future marae that is available for all of our community. Yeah, what's your message to um, the local community there that have you know, been involved in this marae? I think it's time to acknowledge the past and that there's hurt and grievance there. But all parties, no matter who we are, need to now come together. We need to hui. We need to work out what we can all contribute to the future of this marae and that we can do it together. Time frame? Uh, I've set a time frame that I'd love to see that Farinui up and running within 12 months, um, but over the next five years, I think that we can develop uh, Awataha Marae and the way that we all want to see it. We look to examples like Mahurehure, Rua Potaka. That's the vision that I have for our Marae. Tēnā koe. Kia ora. After the break, we meet the Māori uh, helping defend Ukraine.
when Kane Tetai got a call from his military mates asking if he would go and support them in war-torn Ukraine, the 37-year-old didn't think twice. The former soldier sold his possessions to raise cash and headed off to volunteer. From helping train Ukrainian soldiers on the front line to teaching civilians how to evacuate their townships, Tetai is risking his personal safety to support the cause. I kōrero a Rawani Pereira kiaia. You've been there since April. Can you tell me a little bit about the task force that you worked with um, when you first got there? Yes, I worked with the task force in the start, helping young women and children that had been trafficked. They just get off a train and then they get ferried onto whatever bus they can get on. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people that sort of inject themselves there and they're like, oh, no, hey, you can, um, you can jump in this car. It's better than jumping in the stuffy bus. And then before they know it, they're inside some van heading off, you know, God knows where. How young are we talking about some of these girls? And then children, like when I say children, like, you know, told they're up. You can make more money out of, you know, the younger they are, the more money you can make out of them. And we just sort of watch over them and we make sure that nothing happens to the festival of the star. And then if we can, we try to directly intervene as well. While the country is up in upheaval, while the authorities, while the military is too busy trying to fight a war, it is the perfect time for it to happen. How does it compare, Kane, to some of the missions you've done in Afghanistan and Africa? The sole difference here is that you're not working a lot of the time with you know, like-minded professionals. A lot of these guys, they've basically been plucked out of their lives. You know, you're, you're operating with a guy who's a 59-year-old music teacher, and one of your interpreters goes, that guy was my music teacher at school. So, so you're not working with the same guys with the same training. You know, it's a very dire situation. It's sort of like a, a community that's been torn in half. You've got um, a lot of Ukrainians that really believe in Ukraine and they just want to see the war done. And then you've got all these other people that almost can almost be half of the, the, the village or the town that you're working in that actually want Russia to win. And then a lot of times the Ukrainian Defence Force will tell you there's a lot of sympathisers in this place here. So at the moment, it's just about security. It's about trying to find these people that are collaborating and just sort of being able to either isolate them, uh, imprison them, or, you know, sort of keep away from them for the better part of things. So security is the biggest thing that they're lacking at the moment. And then second up, that would be um, clean water. That was before the war as well. So, um, you know, and shelter, it's coming up to, it's going to be winter, you know, sort of in a couple of months. And Ukrainian winters are terrible. So people with, you know, big gaping holes in, in their roofs and stuff like that, it's just going to be, yeah, ridiculous. Have you had any close calls, Kane? Now, I'm used to having bombs drop quite close to me in other places, like in the Donetsk region, you know, when you're actively like, oh, this can happen because I'm in an active war zone. So um, I about 4.30 in the morning, I uh, just woke up to the whole place kicking like a mule. Oh, that was close. It's loud as well. And then I heard all of the shrapnel hitting the roof and stuff, and I was like, okay, that was really close. In the morning when I woke up, I had a look out um, out the window, and it's literally just this big crater out, outside by the park. And there she is. Just ugly hole. Good job, Russia. I need to wake up at 4.30 anyway, so uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the wake-up call. Then you go back to places in the central Ukraine and there's just nothing going on. You just think, wow, I didn't even know there's a war going on here.
You know, looking at your Instagram, you seem to be embraced by the tangata whenua there. What similarities have you noticed between Māori and Ukrainians? They're warrior spirit. They're much like uh, someone who grew up that didn't want to be Māori and are now trying to re rediscover it because they were a part of the Soviet Union that, you know, ceased to be a thing, you know, in the 90s. And they've just been trying to recapture what makes them Ukrainian. They're starting to look at a lot of uh, things and a lot of old customs and a lot of old songs. And they're trying to bring that back to sort of identify themselves as being Ukrainian and not being Russian. I like them and love them enough to still be here, despite a lot of stuff that's going on. And Ukraine is captured by heart, so, yeah. You've found a way to connect with them through Waiata. Yeah, I find one of the best and easiest ways to bring people together is if you can sing, you know, their waiata. One day, you know, like a bunch of soldiers were singing it, and I was just like, oh, I know the song, and started singing it as well, and they're like, hey, you know the song? It's like, yeah, man. And so it's always a good way to bridge the gap. So they say around 17 million people have been displaced so far. Is there a feeling of hopelessness in the people that you meet? When I first got to the country, there's a lot of people that were trying to exit the country, like for miles, 12 kilometre long lines. And then now the lines are backwards. There's more people trying to get back in and they're trying to leave. There is a lot of hope here, but there's a lot of tiredness as well. I mean, Karen, would it be fair to say that in the short time you've been over there, you've made some lifelong memories? Lifelong memories and lifelong friends. Yeah, there's obviously something to be said about, I guess, meeting people in strange places and doing strange things. Um, I've met three girls who range between the ages of 25 and 35, and they basically have just been operating this thing by themselves, a house by themselves, where they're just taking children. They're displaced from all over the place. There's a woman who's been doing this since they were like children themselves. And for me, I'm just like, wow, you know, why would you not want to be friends with those people? Why would you not want to try and soak up as much of their energy? You know, these guys are the real heroes. These are the guys that... They haven't just been doing this for a couple of months. They've been doing this for years. So many stories here. But there's a lot of strength here as well. What's the saddest thing you've seen so far? Children. Like a kid dying, you know, every time a, a child dies, you know, the first, you know, every time is like the first time. Something really hard to sort of, you know, be able to reconcile in your own brain. Sometimes I just sort of um, pass kids in a lot of places and I just think to myself, man, like, Live your life, ride that bike, because, you know, come tomorrow, you might be running for your life or you might just not have one anymore. Your mental health is, is quite paramount as well, Kane. You know, how do you keep stable and look after yourself? I have my body armour and my helmet um, and I have a weapon, you know, by my bedside every morning because I don't know whether, you know, some Russian collaborator has gone and told someone that I'm living here. So you're always sort of on edge. Yeah, um, that all takes a toll. So you haven't given yourself any time constraints as to how long you'll be there for? Is it just as long as you'll need it? Yeah, you have to really know yourself being in a place like this and operating the way I do. Most of the time I'm by myself or I'm only with one other person in this whole country. It's um, how long mentally I can sort of keep this up for, but also um, for as long as I'm affected. I just know my heart will be very heavy when I when I come back from this place. Kia hau maru tō noho e hoa, ko Kain te tai tērā. Ko hikine te hui e hoa ma, noho rumai rā.
Tāke. Nā te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.